started. We're just having fun here at Spooky You. Hi, this is uh, episode two uh, of Spooky You podcast. I am your host, Allie. And I am JP. And welcome. Welcome to this uh, fun adventure time where we talk about spooky cryptids legends lore i don't know whatever just kind of creeps us out at that moment in time whenever we're well, doing well, our research don't forget about the history too we oh, have yeah. a little fun surf through history as well well you can't have spooky legends lore whatever without history oh no because i can tell you what you can go one way with the spookiness and next thing you know bam suddenly you got drunk lumberjacks wow drunk lumberjacks that's like oddly specific does is that what we're talking about today yeah, and actually to be, well, we're actually talking about something that they created, which is even stranger. And I got to admit, I was very surprised and extremely confused when you first suggested this topic. So you want to you want to tell them what it is you want, or you want me to do it? You know what? You look so excited right now, so I'm going to let you do it. It's a squonk. What? A squonk. Yeah, I, I did <laughs> not. I pride myself on knowing stuff i mean that's the whole reason you keep me on here that's true that's so true. i was very surprised i had never heard of this and i mean you're talking to the nerd who yeah. like he knew everything about yeah. cryptids when he was little yeah, oh my gosh you were so into it when you were little like, i it love was the funniest thing but then like you kind of got me into it too if, if yeah listeners just in case you don't know we are siblings yes um, she is my sister <laughs> older by what are two and a half years three yeah. years something like that i don't know apparently by birth but she keeps telling me i'm adopted you might be um <laughs> i mean we all think i'm canadian right uh i don't really know what we think you are well i thought it was canadian i love Could the cold i mean think about it, though i love the cold you do sorry is one of the top five words in my vocabulary true and when i watch slash play hockey i turn into a rage monster you do yeah you do. i racked up 11 penalty minutes during a uh, intramural game how did wait were you the goalie no. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we today are talking about the squonk. This is something that I actually learned about while I was um, scrolling through TikTok, which is an app that I'm definitely way too old to be on, but I really don't care because it's freaking awesome. And Use I have it till to you say, lose it. That's true. Well, no, they're not losing it anymore. Oh, fantastic. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, I honestly believe that this is my favorite cryptid of all time, which is a really bold statement two episodes in. Um, I don't know. It's just, oh, my God, I love it so much. But um, I brought it up to you one day back in, like, June. We're recording this in September. So, like, back in June. And had you heard about it before I brought it up to you? No. Are you excited to learn more about it, at least from my end of the research? <laughs> Hell yes. Let's right. get into it. Let's do it. So the actual legend of the squonk, this is like what it really is, or at least what the research told me it is. Um, it's believed that the creature's skin is so ill-fitting and covered with warts, it's ashamed of its own appearance and it hides in plain sight. It spends most of its time weeping, which like... 2020 same uh the the book passage that i read about the squonk literally says the squonk is always unhappy even morbid he is oh my gosh i like i can't believe i'm laughing at this i just find this really funny but it's so bad uh he is given to constant weeping over his really upsetting appearance and can sometimes be tracked by a tear-stained trail I mean, basically, whenever I think of this, I think of a mix of a hairless pug and crippling depression. I honestly believe that's pretty accurate because then, although 
pugs are super cute. But like, if you see the picture of it, which we will put up it's, on Instagram, it, it kind of does look like that. It does. I mean, there have been other descriptions that call it a clumsy warhog and a small bird. <laughs> Wait, a small bird? I I do not get bird looking at the picture. No, I don't either. But you know what? Uh, to each to each their own. And also, you'll find out that. Um, the sources that this creature comes from aren't exactly the most consistent. No, that's very true. But another description of the animal says that it is possibly the homeliest animal in the world and it knows it. So like it's a very self-aware animal. Yeah, and that's a very polite way to put it because I feel like the squonk, if it could speak, would be a lot more self-deprecating than homely. Yeah, that I would say it probably is a very um, self-deprecating animal. But I mean, essentially... It is believed that this mythical creature lived in the hemlock forest of northern PA. The legend of the squonk was originated in the late 19th century at the height of PA's importance in the timber industry. Yes, let's get into some lumber. Let's get into that wood. I was going to say it, and then you said it. Nope, too late. This is how you can tell we're brother and sister. Oh, this is weird. Okay, well, before we get into that... um, so this isn't necessarily a completely out of left field unknown legend. Uh, it does have a name in the scientific community called, uh, oh shit. <laughs> oh, do you have another language in front of you? Yes, I have Latin. Uh, Good luck. Like, Please don't summon a demon in my house. Like Crimacorpus dissolvens, literally translating to tear body dissolve. So like they never even gave this animal a chance. No, this thing did not have a chance whatsoever. Now, just for the record, this is not unusual for cryptids uh, to have scientific names. Uh, even the Loch Ness Monster, for example, has a Latin name. Wait, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, we don't know yet whether Nessie is real or not. Um, Team Nessie. But just in case it was ever real, they did or a kind of corner a Latin name for the creature if oh, it was yeah. to ever be discovered. Do you by chance know that? I do. It is Nesiteris uh, rompacterix. Please read that again. Nesiteris rompacterix. <laughs> Point is, it has a scientific name. <laughs> oh my god, I absolutely love it. I think that's absolutely amazing. So this creature, the squonk. Squonk. So I did a little bit of tracking down and trying to figure out exactly where this myth came from. Oh, so where did it come from other than the northern hemlock forest of PA? So the, based on the research I did, everything kept pointing back to this one book. Oh, what book is that? Called Fearsome Creatures of the Lumber w- Woods and a Few Desert Creatures. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the ni- early uh, 20th century, late 19th century, but everyone had very long titles for books. This yeah, is that's, not- that's a really long book title, which I kind of appreciate because, like, you know, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but, like, you know what you're getting. Oh, yeah, you know what you're getting, and yeah. actually you're reading it all right there. Yeah, and for someone that maybe, like, has anxiety because I'm not sure what I'm getting into, like, that's actually really comforting. But you know what that kind of reminds me of? What? fantastic beast and where to find them i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> it's like the muggle version of it i love it and you know what's even funnier the huh. guy who wrote it william t cox yeah he's basically like a real life newt scamander he was in fact uh minnesota's first state forester and commissioner of conservation really 
Yeah. Huh. Uh, he was a complete naturalist. Oh, okay. I even have in my notes, um, this guy was totally a naturalist. And then I kept running through the uh, preface. And then it said uh, T. Cox was a naturalist. And I was I have in my notes, in all caps, called it. So is it preface or preface? It's probably preface because I have a habit of pronouncing things wrong. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. Oh that God, actually got me, me in, in hot water once at my old job because I called an aquifer an aquifer. And my oh. supervisor looked at me very weirdly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This is great. Um, so this was the earliest account I have ever found of a squonk. Now, squonk. Let's see, now, what's even more interesting is reading through a little bit. He gives credit. To all of these creatures, which include a jackalope, a boogalow. What? What? I think a, a what? A boogalow. A boogalow. Bugalow. Bugalow. Basically, think of a, think of a bear. A bear. But it's morbidly obese. Wait, what? <laughs> so it's just like a really chunky bear. Yes, it's a really chunky bear. It basically looks almost as round like a ball, based on the artistic uh, depiction. Wait. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A chunky ball-shaped bear is called a bungalow. Bungalow, yes. Bungalow. Yes. Wait, a bungalow. Oh, my God. I Somebody just take this mic away from me. We're two episodes <laughs> in, and I'm already a mess. <laughs> it's okay, because it's about to get a whole lot worse. Yes. Because all of these creatures, which also includes a duck-billed moose with no kneecaps. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> uh, all of them came from stories that he had gathered from lumberjacks. Okay, so what were the lumberjacks doing that they were like, you know what's a really good idea? A ball-shaped bear well, and a moose with no kneecaps. Well, they were probably sitting around being bored because being a lumberjack was basically work hard, play hard. Really? Yeah, it was. Um, interestingly enough, I didn't realize this. It was actually a seasonal job covering the fall to winter and spring months. I'm not gonna lie to you. That kind that's kind of surprising. I don't know why. I would have thought lumberjacks would have worked more in the summer, but maybe that's because I'm thinking like construction. So here's actually the interesting thing about that. Okay. Uh, one, the snow would make it a lot easier to transport uh, the wood over the sleighs. Oh, fair. And two, the biggest way that they would get the lumber down to the mills uh-huh. was along rivers. Oh. And what they would do is they would actually. Uh, store the wood in like a holding pond and then when the uh, spring melts came that would flood the rivers they would use that flood to drive the logs down these flooded streams into the major rivers that would eventually be caught downstream at the lumber mills uh, how so there like, were... how do you control that it's a it's a river yes so they would actually use uh dams they would set up the dams at the start of the season okay and they would block off and create big ponds of water okay and these would collect over the winter and then as the spring melt came it would create these giant backup ponds with all the logs that they had cut down throughout the lumber season and then they would break the dams open and the logs would start flowing downstream and it was actually people's jobs called drivers to control and move the logs down the stream and rivers to make sure they got to lumber mills so so you're telling me that 
And and when when did this roughly happen? Like years ish. Uh, so in Pennsylvania, the height of the lumber industry there was between 1846 and the early 20th century. Okay, so pre OSHA is what. Yes, you're yes, very much pre OSHA. <laughs> pre OSHA. Uh, so here's probably one of my favorite parts about the driver's job, uh-huh. and I say this in the context that it was very dangerous, but they got paid well. So. They would very often have to work in freezing water. So basically, yeah. they had to wade into ice all the time. Oh my God. Also, you want to talk about balance. These guys would hop from log to log in as they were like bobbing around. You know those classic uh, TV shows where you see the guys are like yeah, spinning on the logs? Yeah, I was just thinking yeah, about These guys that. did it for a I living. I ask you. Yeah, and it was like kind of falling in with ice where if you went under, the logs would basically block your way of escape. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is terrifying. Yeah, a lot of people drown. And unfortunately, uh, it's very famous that uh, the rivers would often be lined with uh, crosses marking the <gasps> death area of uh, drivers. Stop it. So, like, what you mean to tell me is that when you and I went, uh, we took our family on that, like, super nice walk over on those white cliffs near, was it, like, E-Town or something? Yeah. Yeah. That there was most likely probably quite a few dead bodies that were in that river at one time at that spot thanks to logging in PA. Uh, depending on where logging camps were in PA, yes. Ooh, uh, actually, is one of the reasons why... PA was such a big place for logging because it had the Susquehanna, the Allegheny, yeah. the Delaware, I believe Delaware River. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I don't really know rivers in PA too much except for the three in Pittsburgh and the Susquehanna. I mean, we're from Pittsburgh, so what do we care about yeah. Philly? That's true. But the point being is that there were a lot except of- Except Gritty. We love Gritty. Okay. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> so there were a lot of major rivers in Pennsylvania, which made it very easy to send logs downstream. In fact, yeah. the like the height in the center of the logging industry was Williamsport. Oh, that's not too far from here. No, it's not. And weirdly enough, once upon a time, it had the most millionaires per capita or like most millionaires in the U.S. That's awesome. Yeah. And now nobody could really care less about it. Yeah. Sorry, Williamsport. Or couldn't care less. Uh, I don't yeah. Really, I don't know. I don't do grammar, which is probably why we're talking. So no. Anyway, writing. so it was. Yeah. So the men who actually worked uh, logging. I mean, there's really no better way I can describe them. They were like the love child of Ron Swanson and Chad the frat boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, these men... Please elaborate. Like... <laughs> so understand that loggers came from all walks of life. And okay. also, I would say, okay, let me correct. Uh, Ron Swanson, Chad the frat boy, yes. and they were all Norwegian. Oh, uh, so, oh my God, that's beautiful. So a lot of... Uh, um, I mean... loggers came from all walks of life but a lot of them came from norwegian or irish backgrounds because in scandinavia logging was huge so they had that natural skill set coming over okay that makes sense uh so living in the camps i mean these guys were out in the middle of nowhere i mean think camping months on end in the cold and basically living in like bunk style houses with a bunch of men Absolutely not. For months not. on end in the middle of the woods. Absolutely not. But now I totally get where the um, the Ron Swanson and the uh, who was the other guy? Chad the frat boy. Totally yeah. get it. I'll get it. I'll get into a second where Chad the frat boy comes in on this one. Perfect. Uh, so these guys also, I mean, lumberjacks were basically they were living legends. These guys were like known for being proud, individualistic. 
uh, men of the forest, they were almost like a myth-like status to regular people during this time. Oh, fancy. Uh, and they would, I mean, they basically worked hard. Six days a week, uh, they worked from sunup to sundown. These guys could consume 8,000 calories a single, in a day. I mean, same. <laughs> Seriously, you were just talking to me this morning about how you could barely finish Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, but if I needed to, and depending on what the food was... You could eat 8,000 calories. You know what? I I really think we need to try this. The white glove has been thrown. Oh, here we go. It's yep. going down. <laughs> All right. Tune in next week where we, challenge, where we deal with obesity. <laughs> Tune in next week when I threw up. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So uh these so the guys in the camp, like they worked hard. Yeah. But with the food and money, they were fairly compensated. Like for example, those drivers who yeah. had to get the logs downstream. Oh, you mean the ones that risked their lives? Yeah, and yeah. were most prone to death. They yeah. got paid six figures in today's money. Okay, but like fair? Yeah, so they were fairly compensated. Uh, also, again, for management, it's not a good idea to um, to challenge your workers when they are no- well known for wielding axes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and in fact, also for a lot of these guys, uh, the ones who wielded axes, they were specifically called cutters. And there were a lot of different jobs. Like the loggers were drivers. There were people whose specific job was just to load uh, runners who were hauled the logs out. So everyone has a specific job that yeah. they did. Um, yeah. Trying to think. Uh, but basically, this was kind of how things ran. And as uh, time went on, technology was introduced. Uh, in fact, the uh, drivers eventually were op- made obsolete by the invention of the railway. And as they began to actually have special train lines that went to each logging camp. So would that be like when OSHA was founded? Uh, OSHA was not founded yet. And unfortunately, it wasn't because, like, for example, a lot of people were often crushed by logs when they would fall. So, yeah, the loader, the loader, you literally had one job. And if you messed up, you could get somebody crushed by a log. Oh, yikes. Also, my favorite thing, and I want to just double back on the... I keep doubling back on the drivers again. (laughs) Yeah, you love those drivers. (laughs) But, uh, so, occasionally, you know the famous log jam? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the ride, like, at Kennywood and Hershey Park? Yes. Well, let me tell you what happened when a real log jam happened. It's it's not going to be as fun as the amusement park ride, is it? It does involve dynamite. I like where this is going. And Jenga. What? (laughs) So, Two things I didn't think you could combine. So when you like had a log blast. jam, this oh. was... Oh, my God. So when you had a log jam, uh, you had to clear it. So okay. there would be people's job to go out and find the specific log that was, like, the key one. And when you pulled it out, the whole dam would just burst. Okay. Obviously, problem is, when that whole thing burst and you had a bunch of logs flying downstream, you didn't really want to be in the stream. Correct. Uh, other times they would just say, screw it, place dynamite inside the log jam and, uh, see what happens. Uh, 
This was all while they were jumping around logs in the middle of a flowing stream. Okay, so where does Jenga come into this? Because whenever they would like try and find and remove oh. that one log. So it's dangerous Jenga. Yeah, because then whenever it, when they remove the right log, it would just burst and all the logs oh. that, mind you, are trees that I'm are dumb. cut down. That's okay. This is why I handle this side of things. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> um, so I, I promised that we would get into why Chad the Frat Boy is an accurate description. Yes. So yeah. obviously these guys lived uh, very intense. Ma- intense, masculine, independent lives in the woods. Yes, stereotypically and, speaking. Yes. And whenever uh, the season would be done, they'd go back into society and they'd have all that money that they were paid from over the... Uh, over the winter nice so making it rain yeah what do you think of a whole bunch of guys who have uh who have a lot of money a lot of testosterone and oh, no. a short a short outlook on life oh, would no. do oh, oh no yes they oh, no. party hard <laughs> i mean they were known for getting into bar fights they were known for you know, going and hooking up with hookers and prostitutes. Oh, no. Uh, they were known for more bar fights. Like, it was <laughs> notorious that you did not want to mess with a lumberjack when they came into the bar. And usually they would all be there ready to back up somebody once they got into a bar fight. Oh, no. Because you got to remember, these guys were strong. Like, they were known for being big. So uh, they really are like the stereotypical movie version of an 1800s frat boy. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I would probably say it's an accurate thing. Uh, to really hammer this home, I wanted to read a little bit of a quote, and it's going to have some voices. So we'll see how this goes. Oh, you're going to do. Oh, yep. So this comes up. So this is an account from uh, a book from the Minnesota Historical Society. Okay. Uh, and it claims an account of a lumberjack who was traveling from St. Paul. Uh, who was getting on a streetcar and the uh, and the streetcar operator was like, uh, sir, I'm going to need about 65 cents for the toll. And the lumberjack's response was, well, shucks, I don't have 65 cents. So a man pays, so a man offers to pay the man's fare. And he goes, excuse me, sir, I was wondering, how do you not have 65 cents? And the uh, lumberjack replied, well, I had $62 when I left for St. Paul on the train. Uh, I bought a couple of quarts of liquor worth $2. Lost $10 in a poker game on the train. Passed out. Woke up in St. Paul. Met some nice fellows. And spent $50 in one night out. Then the man looked at him and said, Well, where did the 65 cents go? Because if you're counting up now, this man's only spent about... uh. $62. And the lumberjack responds, well, gosh, I must have spent that foolishly. I really appreciate that this lumberjack is from Savannah in your mind. Because <laughs> you just reminded me of that episode of The Office where uh, they're playing the game where someone was murdered and Andy's like, well, that's more of a Savannah accent where you got marbles just spilling out of your mouth. I, that's literally what you reminded me of. <laughs> God, now I just realized. I probably should have done that better in a Minnesota. Oh, that was so funny. Okay. No, that's perfect. Uh, well, I mean, that's kind of just a general rundown. Um. I mean, pretty much by this point, actually, it's effective I mentioned St. Paul because by that point, the logging industry in Pennsylvania had pretty much dried out because, you know, logs only, trees only grow so fast and sooner or later, 
you cut down all 26 million acres of state forest. True, which I'm glad we have a lot of that back now because Pennsylvania is really pretty. So now you're probably kind of wondering, what does the crazy drunk, or not crazy, not drunk, but what does the crazy lumberjack industry have to do with the squonk? Yeah, at this point... um, we we went like super left field and I loved every second of it, but huh. I kept thinking like, all right, when are, like, where does this tie into the squonk? But I also trust you and I trust your research and you're freaking good at it. So uh, tell me a story, JP. Okay. So uh, obviously the lumberjacks didn't work all day, all, all day, all night. They had some downtime. Yeah. Most notably, Saturday night, Sunday, they were known for having uh, stag parties, and a huge part of their entertainment would be music and storytelling. Love it. So my best guess, because there's not much to kind of confirm exactly when and who created the story of the squonk, but uh, it's very likely during one of these times, maybe a creative uh, lumberjack or a creative person at the camp uh, either maybe came up with the idea, maybe... It was somebody who working one day, late yeah. hours, thought he saw this creature. Or maybe, you know what, it was a creature somebody made to poke fun at another guy's wife. Yikes. I Yikes. mean, I could see them being that savage. <laughs> I, mm, From what you're telling me about them, it seems that, you know, they probably... I'm just going to also point did. out here that most camps actually, most camps foremen banned alcohol because... Well, banned alcohol and talking at breakfast because it was liable to cause fights. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I I mean, I kind of back the whole banning talking at breakfast thing because, you know, I need coffee and then you can talk to me. I mean, that would also cause a fight, too. That's very true. So, I mean, that's kind of my best uh, guess on it. But, I mean, what did you find? So, I found something a little bit different but here we go so um from what i read in my uh little bit of research here um it is supposed that the squonk started off in the desert and moved toward more wet areas with more lakes um you know which again would kind of go with your theory of being um a cryptid within the lumber industry because they worked around water a lot So it went towards the water, kind of moved towards the water, so much so that it ended up developing webbing between its toes, but only if it submerged its left foot. So (laughs) these these are kind of the the earlier squonks, not the ones that we really know and love today. Um, Due to developing webbing on its left foot, when it entered the water, it could only swim in circles. Oh my god. <laughs> Something just Mother Nature just really hated this thing. <laughs> it really did. Oh my it's, goodness. Wow. I mean, I've heard her being cruel, but right. this is like It's so bad. And honestly, I found this so funny when I read it because then it went on to say that when uh squonks went into lakes, uh like, you know, and then the lakes were dredged like sometime in the future, it showed fossils of these animals that died because of starvation. Like, they literally couldn't get out of the water. 
what yeah well supposedly there's fossils of these animals which i have not seen any pictures i have not seen anything to confirm that either but at the same time it like if you look at a picture of it it probably has a similar build to just like your average like four-legged animal so there is a chance it could have been misidentified or something else could have been misidentified and you know this is actually really cool but um have you i can't remember where i saw but an artist actually did a very fun illustration where he took fossils and bones of current living animals and tried to design an animal based on the bone structure, kind of like what uh, paleontologists do with dinosaurs. Yeah, with the dinosaurs. Yeah, and it's really weird to see all the different kinds of animals or like concepts that they came up with by just trying to create an animal from the bones. I love it. Of like, say, a hippo. It. <laughs> oh yeah, no, this thing looked like it had four teeth. It looked gnarly. Like I'd hate to meet a hippo in real life, but this thing looked. Like a hippo that was on steroids <laughs> and evil juice. Oh my god! Wait, what? <laughs> evil juice. Steroids and evil juice. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. Uh, is there a drink called evil juice, and what would that consist of? Uh, it's soft brand Powerade. Hell yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, TM that off brand Powerade TM. Uh, <laughs> So really, essentially, the smart squonks, the ones that, um, you know, the legends talk about, uh, the ones that, you know, you have the possibility to meet in the forest uh, are the smart ones that stayed away from the water uh, and they just kind of hung out in the damp forests. I really want to get into talking about how you could actually catch one of these things because... I feel like so many people try to catch or hunt or find Bigfoot and Nessie and El Chupacabra. Um, JP, if I were trying to catch a squonk, what would I need to look out for? Well, What would I need to do? Well, first, if you're going to go and hunt a squonk in Pennsylvania, I'd first recommend calling up the Pennsylvania Game Commission and getting a license to hunt. <laughs> Because illegal hunting is bad. Is, it's bad. It's bad. Yes. <laughs> do not do that. But once you get a license, uh, then first thing you want to look for is uh, dark secluded areas in north central Pennsylvania. Because obviously this very homely creature <laughs> is not very pleased with its personal appearance. So it's not going to be walking around in broad daylight in open field. No. No. It's going to be in the forest for sure. And there's a lot of that here in PA. So I would recommend if you're going to try and track down this creature, start at dawn or dusk, uh, as those are its primary traveling times. Okay, well, I'm not waking up that early, so let's go at dusk. Okay, so you're going at dusk. Then you need to find a tear-stained trail. A what? Tear-stained trail of where the squonk has been, because apparently, it's no joke, this thing is just constantly crying 24-7. Poor thing. I just want to hug it. I know. I mean, I wouldn't recommend doing that, though, because you want to be a little bit sneaky, though, about this thing, because it has a very unique adaptation that um, I can say maybe could give a lot of creatures a run for its money. Oh, what would that be? Uh, So apparently, if you were to, say, corner the creature and it knows it, it will get very upset. More upset than it already is. So much so that it will create a pool of tears and then dissolve in it. Why am I laughing so much? I don't know. I really don't know. But basically, here's it's my... It's like when a lizard detaches its tail. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh, I this isn't funny. No, no, because here's the thing: I still have not been able to find out about this dissolving adaptation. Yeah, is does it eventually get to reappear, or does it just die? I don't know. I I really don't know. I mean, dissolving would imply that it just dies. Yeah, there's nothing about it, um, like coming back. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing about it. I mean, that would kind of fit with its whole thing. Unless it just got so sad that it just reappeared crying. What if it was like, oh my God, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Okay, so like what if it dissolved, but then it was so sad that it dissolved that it just resolved and it just became even more sad. And then it was just like a cycle. Oh my God. That would be about par for the course for this creature. Yeah, it might be. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Oh, also you apparently also look for frosty moonlit nights when you're trying to capture the creature um i don't have a no i don't have a good definition for what constitutes a frosty moonlight i'm trying to think of what that would be i envision personally like an almost full moon i was thinking more crescent moon yeah but you don't get that much moonlight with a crescent moon true although maybe it's more about the humidity because or or like the the air like you know frostbitten air maybe? yeah like, i was thinking like frostbitten air or okay. maybe you know it's kind of foggy so you get that like moonlight coming through the fog and then it kind of looks a little frosty possibly yeah um i'm sorry people uh due to some r- obvious reasons it's our information on capturing these creatures are very limited in fact <laughs> i think you reasons I think, in fact, you've got pretty much what is the only account of anyone ever actually trying to capture one of these squonks. Yeah, and I don't have much on it. The The most famous account of a squonk being captured is actually by a person named J.P. Wentling. What? 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 <laughs> Not to be confused with uh, J.P. who is sitting across the table from me. Hey, um, I live an exotic life. You you do. Actually, you really do. I, I fully agree with you on that um it is said that he captured it in a bag but while carrying it back home the bag suddenly lightened uh really yeah and dear reader the reason this happened was because the sad animal dissolved into a puddle of its own tears within the bag yep (laughs) i mean i got nothing else for that i mean oh boy what a sad poor little creature so it is said, um, obviously, as JP said earlier, that the squonk is capable of dissolving completely into a pool of its own tears. Again, I, I find it so funny. I know it's not funny, but I find it funny because I'm just a horrible person. But uh, during the research, I ended up on this kind of like fandom site that allowed for comments um, and people were commenting on JP Wentling's capturing of the squonk and how it did dissolve into its own tears. I just want to read you a couple of my favorite comments. Um, There were three that I really liked. One, so how do you catch it? (laughs) Well, apparently, actually, according to the myth, he somehow coaxed it or tricked it into the bag. I'm hoping with food. Uh, Someone replied with, just drink it. Uh... (laughs) gross yeah just so everybody remembers this thing is claimed to be covered in warts another person replied with just put it in a freezer 
Which I'm, like sculpt? I mean, sculpt that thing out. You got a tear, tear ice sculptured squonk. Okay, question. Yes. If you froze it. Yes. And then you tried to do an ice sculpture yes. of it by chiseling. Are you asking if you make the holes? Would it feel pain? See, I was going. <laughs> See, I was going more along the line of you start in the back, you chisel the holes to the front. That way, you need to like chill your drink. It looks like it's crying out your drink. Oh, like a like a squonk ice shoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I just realized I was the terrible one there. Wait. Whenever Chris and I get married, can we have a squonk ice sculpture ice shoot at our wedding? Take it up with Chris. Chris I'm not marrying you, Chris. Are you listening? Okay. Um, how would you try to capture it? Um, I would probably try and use... I would want to say I would want to use the bag trick, but, I mean, the big problem is you just got to make sure it's never aware it's caught. So maybe, like, keep an all-black uh, box so then it just feels like, oh, it's just still in its little dark habitat. Well, you need home. to have some kind of frost-lit moon or fr- frost bit moon whatever you said it was maybe i just like make a dark covered led light in the corner so it looks like it's perpetual moonlight there you go all there right go. yeah we're thinking with this <laughs> i feel like i would want to try to like go on a walk with it and have like a nice deep conversation and try to um, help its self-esteem a little bit and then once it LM. feels a little bit better about itself. I would want to coax it to like a restaurant and feed it. And then once I gain its trust, then I'll invite it back to my house. See, I would say that's a good thing. However, though, based on what Mother Nature has done to this thing, she'd probably find a way to just gut punch it as it tried to feel better about itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you got anything else for us? Um. Yeah. So <laughs> we were talking about capturing it, but like, how do you know you're near one? Well, the sound of a squonk crying is a low note of pleading, somewhat resembling the call of a cross-feathered snee, which is another animal that has some self-esteem issues. What? I don't know. To me, it sounds like something out of Dr. Seuss. I Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got nothing at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say... Dear listener, dear reader, dear fan, friend. You were fan, good on dear listener. Whatever. Um, or a podcast. Dear reader, if you try to go capture a squonk, please, please email us and tell us your methods. Send pics. Se- yes, send pics. If it's a puddle of water, that is also acceptable. Just send a bunch of pictures of water. That's fine, too. Yes, we do love our puddles of water. We I have do. a whole collection. I love puddles of water. They're so great. Uh, Yeah. Well, Allie, um, I mean, it's just kind of the last we were going to hear of the squonk. No, listen, um, the squonk apparently has been around and is making its mark. I don't know. I can't talk apparently anymore. It's making itself known in pop culture. Um, so let's look into that here. The band Steely Dan mentions the squonk in their song called Any Major Dude Will Tell You on their 1974 LP Pretzel Logic with the lyric, have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. Damn, that's getting deep. That's so deep, man. That's like tugging right on the heartstrings. Um, The third track 
on the Genesis 1976 album, A Trick of the Tale is titled Squonk. The song recounts the legend of the hunter who captured the squonk, and the creature is described as having a retiring disposition. Uh, so funny story about that. Um, Chris and I were hanging out with his friends, John and Ed, and we were all having a conversation about how creepy Phil Collins's lyrics are, but you don't realize it because the songs are so catchy. Uh, like seriously, people go like, listen to some of his lyrics, read the lyrics. Like he's a phenomenal musician. Like I like absolutely amazing. I love his songs, but they're creepy. They're a little creepy. Um, but then Ed mentioned in the car that he loved the song Squonk. So I told him about how you and I were like doing our podcast and we were going to do an episode on the Squonk and he played it in the car. And that was the first time I'd heard it the whole way through. And it's good. Shoot. I actually haven't even listened to this one yet. You need to listen to it. We'll listen to it after we record. Good. Which probably should have done beforehand, but whatever. Um, <laughs> hey, that's not my department. That's true. In the 1996 short story Bird Song by Nancy Springer, the squonk takes the protagonist to see a phoenix's funeral. Overcome with grief, it forgets its own self-consciousness and weeps on the ashes left behind by the phoenix. Self Forgets its own self-consciousness? That sounds exactly what it was supposed to do. Well, this is a fictional story. And then this actually creates a baby squonk that forms out of the puddle when they dissolve. Oh, so this is like a depressed phoenix. Basically. Oh my gosh. Wow. This Basically. thing. So this thing just lost the lottery of it really like did. birth. <laughs> it really, really could truly Could have been a beautiful, magnificent red bird, but nope. It got short, warty pug. <laughs> In the 2002 short story by Glenn David Gold entitled The Tears of Squonk and What Happened Thereafter, it alludes to the myth and gives name to the deceitful clown of the story who cries heedless crocodile tears. That's a direct quote. And then finally in pop culture, and this one kind of hits home for us, JP, uh, there's a Pittsburgh-based performance art collective that is known as the Squonk Opera. They claim they're named after a description of a jazz saxophonist playing, which he refers to as Squonkfest. Um, you know, we lived in Pittsburgh for such a long time, but we never saw this, and I'm kind of so sad that we never had a chance to see this i mean we were kind of distracted with a lot of other things yeah like going to school like going to high school going to hockey going to, um doing Steelers stuff we didn't do Steelers. we did penguin stuff i mean yeah but we lived in pittsburgh we you were either doing sports things or there was nothing else that's true that's very true but that is sports uh, town with the drinking no drinking town with the sports problem <laughs> can't with you but that's uh that's all i have for the squonk in pop culture and uh that kind of like wait 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 wait. Oh. everyone hold the presses hold the presses hold the phone you know actually this could be a great new segment of um one last thing i have on some pop culture is some mo some common terminology that we use and its origins so we're gonna start a new segment here ladies and gentlemen called jp has to have the last word wow <laughs> does did mom let did mom let you grow up and leave the house like this? Yes. Yes, she did, to her dismay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all so, right, JP, tell me. All right. So uh have you ever heard the terms 
let being left high and dry yeah. or come hell or high water. Yeah. Oh my god, I love using those terms. So that was actually um, those were, have their origins from the drivers of the logging industry. Oh. So really? yes, uh, being left high and dry was when the snowmelt was not uh, was not enough to get all the logs flowing downstream, or if the dams that they set up burst, the logs would often be left because they would float. They'd be left yeah. high up on the riverbank. And dry. Yep. <laughs> and the come hell or high water basically meant uh, whatever was going to get the log, whatever was going to come first, hell or high water to get the logs downstream. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I literally had no clue about that. Yeah. So that's where those terms come from. And honestly, I just want to end by saying thank you to all the lumberjacks who gave their lives to give us all the wood that help build our country and also for giving us the most fantastic crippling depressed creature that is frankly just pure joy it to is, learn about it is we have this was, so much fun. oh my goodness i mean there's just so much hijinks and unfortunately a lot of death too <laughs> we laughed a little i'm so sorry we're terrible people i mean this i'm sorry this is spooky we're just trying to make some fun out of the dark stuff Oh my god. Yeah, that's what we do. We have fun. We talk about dark stuff and honestly, thank you all so much for listening. Um to support us, just send us emails, man. Like we want to talk to you. We want to hear your stories. Maybe someday down the line we could do a listeners episode or we could take suggestions on topics. I oh, don't know. God, yeah. yeah. Um oh, by the way, didn't we start up a Instagram now? Yeah, we did. So, you can email us at spookyupodcast at gmail.com. Uh follow us on Instagram at spookyupodcast. All one word. All one word. <laughs> That tripped me oh, up looking for it. That's true. It did trip you up looking for it. But it's a username, and most usernames are all one word. Fair. Yeah. I um, also suck at I also suck at Instagram. You do. We're gonna get you better at it. Thank I you. also suck at Instagram. I should be better at it. Um, I just post stuff to my stories. I'm weird. You can follow us if you want to, but um, we're I don't know. We're weird. Um, like to give a special shout out and thank you to Megan McClure for creating our amazing logo. Uh, she's just awesome. Freaking love her. And another special shout out to my boyfriend, Chris Phillips, for editing this mess of an episode. Love you, bro. <laughs> um, and just like that, people, thank you so much for listening. We are Spooky You. Class dismissed. <laughs>